Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a girlfriend to join me and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Friends, are you feeling stuck in the rut of routine? Artist and author Ruth Jo Simons knows there is more for you even in the mundane moments. Her new book, Beholding and Becoming, is a masterpiece of incredible artwork and encouraging teaching to direct your gaze to God's splendor and your heart to His worship. Oh, that so perfectly describes my friend Ruth. Turn even the most ordinary moments into holy spaces of wonder. Order Beholding and Becoming wherever books are sold. Happy Wednesday, you guys. Oh, this is a great day. Let me tell you why. A couple of reasons. Number one, yesterday my kids started school. Now, I love summer. And come next April, I'm gonna be counting down the days until summer. I also very much love routine. And so I love school. I love all that comes with school. I love football games. I love Thanksgiving vacation. I love routine. And so my kids started school yesterday. We have one in high school, three in middle school. I cannot even believe it. When this is coming out on Wednesday, I will actually be coming home from LA. I went out to LA. I'm so excited. I will be joining the show Better Together in a couple of months. And so it was so fun to film with them. The other thing that is exciting is just this past weekend, we had our 14th and 15th night of Happy Hour Live. Oh, in the most beautiful venue we've been in yet today out here in Austin, almost at Dripping Springs, which is where I live. And it was just phenomenal. It was beautiful. It was gorgeous. It was funny. I got to meet so many of you listeners. So if you get to come, thank you, thank you, thank you. If you didn't get to come, I hope you get to come to another one. But today I want to tell you about our guest. We have a super great show for you. Our guest is Bianca Oltoff. Bianca is a friend of mine. We met a handful of years ago. She's been on the show before. In fact, it was almost exactly three years ago. She was in August of 2016, episode number 103. I can't believe we have this many episodes under our belt, but go back and listen to other conversation with Bianca. Bianca is a pastor. She's a wife. She's a stepmom. She's a friend to so many. She's a powerhouse speaker. I love sitting under her teaching. She is funny and engaging and full of truth from the word. She has a new book coming out at the end of the month. It's called How to Have Your Life Not Suck. Becoming Today, Who You Want to Be Tomorrow. You can actually pre-order it right now. And when you pre-order it, there's some great goodies that you get. I know I mentioned pre-ordering sometimes, but let me just tell you why I think it's important. It really helps the author. It helps the distributors of books know the demand. And so when you do that, it says, hey, people want this book. So go pre-order it if you can. Today, we have such a great conversation. Bianca and I sat down when we were both in... Charlotte, North Carolina, a couple of weeks ago at the She Speaks conference. We talked today about building up leaders, something that she's passionate about, and I am as well. We talk about the next church plant for their church that her and her husband Matt started. And let me tell you, you're going to die when you find out where it is. I literally am so excited. I cannot stop thinking about it. We talk about dating culture. We talk about sex. It is just a great girlfriend's conversation. You're going to love it. Okay, before we jump into my conversation with Bianca, I want to remind you about something. I've mentioned this throughout this whole month, but I just want to make sure that you don't miss it. I want to tell you about the survey that we have going on right now. The reason that we're doing this survey is because, gosh, we love making happy hour shows for you. It's what we do. We love it so much. But we want to know, what do you love? What do you wish we did different? Who do you want to hear from? What events have you been a part of that you really like? We want to make sure that we're giving you the best content and we want to listen to what our listeners want to know. So we need your help. We'd love it if you took a survey. It's a short survey. It's going to take you five to seven minutes. Go to jamieivy.com slash survey. Take the survey, 
For those of you that have already done it, and a lot of you had, thank you, thank you, thank you. We love that you spent time to give us your feedback. When you complete the survey, we're gonna have a gift for you. You're gonna get it in September. So if you've already done it, hold tight. You're gonna get some emails telling you about those gifts. But two things we're gonna give you. The first thing we're gonna give you is we're going to give you the opportunity to join our Patreon page for $1 for the month of September. Basically, we wanna say, hey, we think we have a good thing going on at Patreon. The people that are there think we have a good thing going on. We give you great extra episodes over there on the Patreon page. And normally the membership is a monthly membership of either $3 or $9. $9 being the most premium where you get the most extra shows a month. We're gonna give you a chance to try it out for $1 for the month of September, which means you get to pay $1 and go back and listen to all the content we've ever put up on Patreon. Plus, then you can decide, is this for me or is this not for me? We're going to give you a little test run to the party. I think you're going to love it, but that's completely up to you. But we want to give that gift to you for taking the survey. The second thing we want to do for you, and maybe you're already a Patreon member, is we're going to give you a coupon code that's good for free shipping on our merch store. And we have some great new merch that is launching at the end of this month, end of August. So you're going to get free shipping on that, a coupon code for that, just for us to say thank you for completing the survey. Again, Go to jamieivy.com slash survey so that we can hear from you and know more of what you love or what you want or what you hate if there's anything. Okay, friends, here is my conversation with my friend, Bianca. Bianca, welcome to the happy hour. I'm so excited to be here, Jamie. I think I have a little bit of pant envy though. I keep on staring at your pants. I'm telling you. So bright and colorful. I just got these in my Stitch Fix box and they're made Stitch well. Stitch Fix. You don't know Stitch Fix? Madewell. Madewell's with Stitch Fix? I It's my first time to get Madewell in my Stitch Fix box. Oh, uh, well done. That's what I thought they're, too. It's adorable. They're so adorable. For people who cannot see your amazing pants, they're like a navy blue with like different colors of coral and periwinkle and accents of blue and they're, and they're floral and flowy. Yes. I'm very comfortable in them. And you look amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Um, well, you just flew in. I did. From London. I did. And I wish it was directly here, but it oh, was- where'd you go first? I connected in JFK in New York. Jesus, take all the wheels, man. Oh my gosh. I know. I know. It was a little bit difficult to get to though. It's not like it's a major hub. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Um, I'm so glad you're here. Now, for those of you who have been listening for a long time, you were on a long time ago. Three years ago. Yes. I did the math. It was three years ago. Oh my gosh. I know. And then your sister's been on this year. I know. I know. So this is the year for you guys. I know. Super fun. I mean, I think, I hope your audience doesn't get confused because Jazz and I have very, very similar voices. Well, I was telling um, Lisa and Sharon before, we have a a live studio audience say, let me get some clapping, some, woo! See? Uh, I was telling them before you got here that I interviewed Jasmine and I was like, as I was talking to her, I clearly know it's not you. I mean, hello, I'm there. I know it's not you. But you guys also have similarity in your hand motions and your expressions and your voices. It's weird. It was so crazy. It's weird. And then when we're around each other, okay, so for those that don't know, she's my twin sister. So it's not just me, she's my sister. So we mirror each other unintentionally. So we'll be having a conversation, finish each other's sentences. In fact, my parents told us that when we were little, we had our own language. So we would just be sitting there having full-on conversations. We'd laugh, you know, we'd cry, but we only, we knew what we were saying. That's the best. It's weird. I think twins are really weird. Do you have that? Like, has anything ever happened in one of your lives and you knew it before she told you? Our ninth birthday. What year is that? 1992, 1993, somewhere around there. We are at Skate Junction, which was like the place to have a party. Of course, yeah, yeah. And um, it was that song, 
walk like an Egyptian. Walk like an Egyptian. Yes. And then you had to like, kind of like skate like an Egyptian. The best one who won, the best who, who, who danced like an Egyptian won an icy. Well, Jasmine was on one end of the skate rink and I had no idea where she was, but apparently she won this ticket. In her excitement, she comes off the skating rink and somebody knocks her over. Well, I'm on the complete other side. All of a sudden, I feel shooting pain in my leg. No. Shooting pain. And, and then I see my mom has red hair. So across, far across from the skate rink, I see my mom's red hair. And I'm limping over to my mom. I finally make to my mom thinking, I'm going to get so much sympathy right now. So much compassion. I'm like, mom, my leg, my leg. And she said, will you stop? Your sister just broke her leg. I was feeling Jasmine's pain. It's weird. See, that's what I'm saying. Cuts are weird. And then another time in college, she's phobic of needles. I'm not. She's phobic of needles. She had, she passed out. She needed to go get some blood work. And I knew that she was going to freak out. So I'm holding her arm. Her head looked away. And all of a sudden, the needle goes into her arm and I feel it in my No. Yeah. I've also broken up with her boyfriend because I didn't like him. But now they're married. So like, whatever. Wait, and you acted like you were her? Oh, yeah. Because our voices are the same. So I said- Did she know you were going to do this or you went behind no, her I, back? I totally behind her back. She irritated me and I didn't like him. And I said, and she had this voice. She still does. Hi, babe. I hate it. Drives me crazy. <laughs> and so I answered the phone or I called him and I said, hey, babe, I wanted to talk to you. I just, I can't do this anymore. And blah, blah, blah. So I did like the whole breakup thing. Yeah. That's her husband now? But they're married. And now <laughs> you like her. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was so fun having her on. Um, she's smart, yeah. lovely. Her and her husband are doing amazing things. And we had a great conversation. And I was just like, oh, I feel like I've made the complete circle now. Yep. Now you just need to meet my like 85 other sisters and brothers. And oh my you gosh. The and they have the whole family. <laughs> we could do like a whole family interview. Yes. Oh my gosh. Um, so welcome off of the airplane. Thank and you. I'm glad you're here. We're both at the She Speaks conference yes. with Lisa Turkhurst, which I just love her. I, I, honestly, I mean, I told you this earlier, but to me, she's kind of like the Pope of writing. Yeah. Like she just, she just gets it. And she's so integritous. I think that's been the number one thing that I walk away every single time I get to have a conversation with her. Like, here's the thing. I really don't know her. Yeah. She's very generous, very gracious mm-hmm. with me, but I really, she doesn't really know me. I don't really know her. I'm just like, yo, it's Lisa. Like, yeah. um, I mean, yes, yes. Learning from her and her wisdom is amazing. But then you walk away thinking, wow, she really has gone to hell and back. Yeah. Loves her family, loves mm-hmm. the Lord, yeah. loves the call upon her life. And it's been hard uh-huh. and she just keeps on going. And yeah. it's such an inspiration to me. I love it. So. Okay, so speaking of inspiration, how old are you? Because you said you're age at nine and you're younger than me. How old are you? I'm 37. 37, I'm 41. I was having a conversation the other day about this and Lisa Turkers' name came up, which is what made me think this. And I, I was trying to like put people who were 10, 15, 20 years mm-hmm. ahead of me. And I was telling Aaron, my husband, and I was like, man, I just look at these ladies and it's almost like I just want them to kind of pull me under their arm. Right. And I want... I want to learn. Yeah. I want to be faithful when I'm 50 and when I'm 60. And I want to still be doing like, I'm not retiring. I'm still going hard. I mean, like Shelly Giglio is one for me. Mm. Aaron and I are like, we want to be the Giglios when we grow up. I mean, who doesn't, right? <laughs> who doesn't? But who, when you look in your job, author, speaker, pastor, everything that you're doing, who, what, what woman do you look at and say, she inspires me. She's ahead of me. She's running this race well. And I admire what she's doing. And it can only be one? You can give me as many as you want. Okay. So... Okay, so I will give you the names, but then I also have like this caveat that I want to add in. I love it. Go for okay, it. Okay, so um, Beth Moore mm-hmm. just is one of those women where I'm like, what do you drink in the morning, yeah, sister? Because she just, she just loves Jesus so well, so well. Uh, I think um, Lisa, 
Lisa is just, she just knows how to communicate. And you know what I love about Lisa is that she, she gives away her secret sauce. She just what wants, she's doing. That's yeah. what she's doing yeah. as she speaks. Like she just wants women to uh, win. Mm-hmm. And um, there is, maybe she wrestles with jealousy or insecurity, but she really, it feels like she's really outworked not doing that yeah. because she's so in advance for women that I'm just about it. She, I heard her say earlier, we're all here for the kingdom. And so why would we just, why would we hoard things? Oh, I see. Right. And then it inspires me to be like, hey, it's not like I have a secret sauce, but like, what you are those it. things we that know like- know you have secret hold, sauce, Bianca. <laughs> <laughs> it's salsa. Come yeah, on there now. it is. Um, but I, she makes, she just inspires me to want to like give more mm-hmm. and give away and hoard less, yeah. which is amazing. Uh, I love Shelly because Shelly and Louis, they're just battle veterans. Like they, they have pioneered um, generations and I love watching them. I got saved at a passion. Did you really? So did my husband. Uh-huh. We both grew up in the church, but it wasn't until oh, passion wow. where God, and the funny thing about my story is I was there, had been going to church my whole life, but I was away from the church and a woman spoke on stage. And you know, you've been in a scenario where you're like, she's speaking like, oh, yeah. she's, she knows oh, yeah. all about me. She's yeah. speaking. Just, it was Beth. I didn't know who she was. So I look and I'm like, man, that was so, in, that's just, yeah. So <laughs> I'm, I'm a fan of passion and Beth and Shelly. Yes. They all worked yes. in my life for yep. my salvation. Yeah. And then like the carnal side, I would love to have just an afternoon with Michelle Obama. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love what she does. I love who she is. I love that she didn't have a ghostwriter for her book. Um, I didn't know that. I know. I read it and secretly hope she did because it was so well written. Yes. I was like, no, no, no. She had to have had a ghostwriter. But I did some snooping, asked some questions, and she didn't. Now, I'm sure she had a great editor. And for sure, for sure. Readers, we know how but, book writing goes. Yeah. But like yeah. a lot of people use ghostwriters. Yeah. She wasn't uh-huh. one of them. Another was Barack. Did you read um, Letters from My Father? No. Oh, gosh. Sister. I'm going to get it right now. You read that book. Amazon and, Prime. And, and, and this was before he was president. This was before. I, he might have been in Chicago. I can't remember. But it was crafted so beautifully. I mean, it was just, they're both brilliant. Yeah. So, Michelle, I mean, give me some Oprah. I'd love uh-huh. some Beyonce, yeah. you know. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. I think that those are some women I just love to pick their brain, have lunch with, have coffee. Okay. So, here's the caveat oh, yeah. to the yeah. taking under my wing. So like you, I said, who, I just wish that someone would take me under their wing. Uh-huh. Da, 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 da. And so, uh, two years ago, I had told my husband, I just wish that when I was 25, someone would have said, stop being an idiot. Come here. Let me help you. And so I decided I'm going to do this internship program. So I, I don't even want to tell you how much I invested into this. First of all, the girls didn't have to pay. You're mentoring them. I, it was, oh yeah. A uh-huh. full, so Four months. Okay. Um, we had over 150 women apply. Well, one guy did too. Um, so 149 women. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which he was smart because he was single. I was like, he knew what he, he knows was where he doing, needs to be. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Um, and and so and then we picked uh, eight. They if they weren't from California, they moved to California. Three days a week, two days at my house. One day I rented venue space for them. I gave them. Everything. Everything. Yeah. I, it was teaching, preaching, leadership, um, indwelling the Holy Spirit, theology, practical leadership models, like everything. Um, I, uh, that year I spoke at a women's conference, uh, up in Redding, California and, and I paid for them to come. Uh, I wanted them to have a, an, a cultural experience. So I took them down to Mexico to go serve at a church, like everything. Probably one of the worst experiences for me. Why? Because they didn't know what they were getting. And the uh, lack of understanding read as a lack of gratitude. And here's the thing. Uh, don't give me a parade. I don't need a menagerie and banners. Mm-hmm. But like, 
will you do something with this information? So why are you going to come up late? Why are you going to show up late? If I got to be on time, you got to be on time. And then I had girls going like, well, I'm going to say girls, this one girl that was just going off the rails. And then another one where I was just like, listen, I just, I so desperately wanted to pour into the next generation. And I realized the hard way, if I did it again, it would be through the church and it would look really different. So my thing, the reason why I bring that up is if I had a mentoring with Beth Moore, would I squander it? Right. Would I be an idiot? Would I even know what to ask? You would Like, you now. don't even know how dumb you are. Right. You know, like, and so, like, I mean, like, literally, I, the reason why I wrote the book that I did was on the heels of that internship, because this is what I wish I would have told my 25-year-old self and the things that I wish I would have told them, the girls in the program. The good news is, is that literally um, seven of the eight girls are in full-time ministry right now. And um, I'm still in great relationship with all but one. We had a great conversation yeah. and kind of like a come to Jesus moment where I was really honest. Maybe I was too honest. I don't know. But I mean, someone had to have a conversation right. and that person happened to be me. Um, so, so are you going to do it again through your church? We have an internship program right now. Okay. We're, we're not calling it internship. We're calling it leadership school. Yeah. We want to develop leaders. Like that's where I'm at in this season. Uh, my goal, I was asked like, what do, you, what do you want your legacy to be? And I said that I wanted my legacy to be... 20 world-changing, amazing communicators of the gospel. You want to develop 20? 20 men and women. Okay. Do you have any on that list so far? I have one. I have two. Okay, two. And if they they come into the church and they stay in the church, amazing. But if they're just supposed to come with us for a season and we get to launch them out or send them out or just train and develop, because Matt and I, my husband, we sat down and we were like, what do we do with these leaders? And a lot of our other leaders were like, well, what if we, you guys are spending so much time with these people? What if they're here and then they go? And then I was like, yeah, but what if they're here and they stay? We're not developing them and training them. And in the long run, they're the ones that are going to take on the church. The vision is 10 churches in 10 years, reaching 10,000 people. This is y'all's vision. Yeah, for the church. And so we have to develop leaders. We need campus pastors. We need Bible teachers. And if it's about me, I'm the primary communicator of the church. So I teach about 65% of the time. Or if it's about just me or if it's about Matt, we've lost. Mm. We've lost. And so it's been so rad to put on stage and on platform next-gen communicators. And I work with, oh, Jamie, I'm so brutal. Red pen. I want manuscripts. I want you to record it. I want I want you to hear it. I want me to hear oh, it. Oh, you are but, brutal then. Oh, I am. I'm sweating wish, thinking about these I people. I wish someone would have done that to me. <sighs> yeah. And I tell them the power of story, how Jesus uses it, yeah. our theology, who yeah. you're reading. Yeah. yeah. I'm kind of like a hard-nosed guy. I love it though, because I think that sometimes people who develop this, like a ministry, they become pastors. They can sometimes think this is my territory. Oh, for sure. And so let's just kind of sit over here and guard our people. But this mentality of we're going to build up leaders to send them out. Yeah. Which I don't mean to break it to you. That's what Jesus did. Right? I I mean, (laughs) let's just like say the obvious. (laughs) Yeah. You know, he's building up leaders to take the church to the world. Yeah which is what you guys are doing. It's crazy. And like, but I think it's because Matt and I are older. Like, I just, I'm not coming in to try to build a name. Like, I just yeah. want to have a great killer church. Yeah. We started with food and wine nights. It was zero. In, in fact, I, I this week I told Matt, I said, do you remember when we dated? And I asked you, do you have ambitions to become a senior pastor? And he was like, no, no way. I'd never do it. I was like, okay, we can date. Okay, we're in. Because <laughs> I was like, I never. Because you're a PK. Yes. Yeah. I love my dad. I love the ministry. Yeah, but you but came in with. I just did not. That was not for me. Yeah. No, no, not for me. And I could just laugh now. We both laugh because we're like, 
thing that we said that we would never do. Both of y'all are, yeah. So now I'm saying I will never have a mansion in Corona Del Mar. I will never have a six pack. I will never have a yacht. God, do you hear me? Do you hear me? It's because a no. This is a no. I was going to say no. Because <laughs> uh, I said I was never going to marry a pastor, never be in ministry, and never work for a church. I mean, I, I actually don't work for the church because I don't get paid. But yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I work for the church. Right. Yeah. Okay, speaking of your church, how, how long are y'all in? We are nine months in. And Sharon's here with us yes. in the church building journey. It's a crazy town. How has the nine months been? It has been you know, the only way that I can explain it is like a newborn baby. Like it keeps you up at night and sometimes it stinks and you think your baby's cute. Even if it's a little special, you think your baby's cute. And, um, it's with the highs and the lows. And so even in the, just the nine months that we've been at church, we have seen, um, 354 salvations, which has been in your church, in our church. Yeah. This is not like I need to rededicate my life to the Lord. Well, they're filling out cards because God. Okay, so so a couple of weeks in, I don't mean that I was in a bad like, way. Girl, I'm with you. Okay, I'm, I'm a borderline legalist. So I'm recovering like, legalist. I was like, <laughs> do you know what your decision making? Are? So now, even in my salvation invitations, I was just like, you are saying yes to Jesus, the Lord of your life. By saying yes to Jesus, it's a remission and forgiveness of your sins. You are asking an indwelling of God's spirit. Oh yeah, I'm like I'm a hard nose uh-huh. about it. So these are people turning in decision cards saying that they. Well, I will include that some of them probably are like, we're, we're not walking with the Lord. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, that would have been me when I, I say I started volunteering right. at 21, right. but I had grown up in church my whole life. Yeah, so and I we're knew. getting a lot of those spiritual people, uh-huh. but not really like walking with And you're in the Orange Lord. County. We are. We're in Anaheim. Is that a hard place to build a church? Oh, it so is. It's like the Botox has crept in from, you know, the face yeah. to the heart and like getting people to move um, is, 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 it's, it's fun. It's hard. Where's y'all's next place to plant? Um, we launched our second campus in September in a prison in Norco, California. We, we need to go here. Okay. Your second campus is in a prison. Yeah. Yeah. Explain. Okay. So, um, I was working for an anti-human trafficking organization called A21. I was there for six and a half years and, um, the founder is Christine Kane. And so if you, you've had Chris on the show and um, maybe some of your listeners know who she is, you know, she's not a wallflower. She's, she's a strong, independent, fierce femme fatale. Who's like, as she says, a Holy Spirit assassin, you know, she's crazy. And so try talking to her and telling her, I feel like I need to quit to go into prisons. <laughs> She was like, I'm sorry, what? You're not. You're, so, yeah. No. And uh-huh. I'm like, I, I can't explain. She's like, well, do you have another job? And I said, no. She's like, well, what are you going to do? I said, I don't know. But I just can't get over I, it. I can't get over it. And um, so we both prayed about it. And she said, hey, why don't you pray about this for um, a couple weeks, eight weeks, and then come back. And I said, okay. She wouldn't let you quit. I mean, it's not like she's chained me. No, you know? I know, but, but, but she's like, like, hey, we're going to pray about this. Because we, make had, sure. we had done, we had done the, a lot of hard yards yeah. together. Not only was, it, was I working for A21, but I also was the creative director for Propel, uh-huh. um, this women's initiative that she started. And so I was fundraising for A21 and still part of like brand and yeah. then launching Propel and the events and the curriculum. There was just so many things. And it's like people would die for that. Yeah. And I think that all of us, everyone in the office, even myself were confused, like, wait, why would you leave? Yeah. And so that's how it started. And um, no money, no finances, no connections, no formal training. And two years in, we're still going after it. And that's and you're a, a chaplain. 
well, okay. Wait, last get, time I talked to you. I know. I know. Okay. So you're getting, you're getting the background here, getting the cheesement. I actually got rejected at 98% completion. You want to know why? Stupid social media. I did the FBI fingerprinting. I did the FBI background check. I did a Los Angeles sheriff's like training. I, it was like, I think it was like 48 hours of like, Wait, what about training. social media? Um, I took a picture. <laughs> I took a picture on the sheriff's scooter outside of the building. That's funny. I thought it was funny. And I'm like, why else would you put a scooter there? Of course it's a prop. I mean, and so I like posted it on, it wasn't even, I think it was on stories. I don't even think, did stories exist two years ago? I don't know, maybe. But I I don't know, but it was a boomerang. It's like, hey, it's my last day. And then I got a scathing email from the chaplain saying that it was a mockery. Oh. And so, but won't he do it? Because that door shut and I was like, that's it. That, like that was our in. I don't know what we're supposed to do now. Lo and behold, coincidentally, as God would have it, sovereignly, like surreptitiously, there was an email in my inbox. I had an assistant who went to go get her PhD and there was emails sitting in her inbox that had gone unanswered. Well, the new assistant comes in six months later and says, hey, you had this invite for this prison in Lubbock, Texas. When you did that. Yep. And that's what opened the door to Texas. Jeez Louise. I know. I know. So no matter the man, and the chaplain from the LA prison, I won't say which prison it was. She didn't like me from the get-go. I had resources coming in, bringing books. I was having like um, uh, lunches for the women and bringing in hygiene packs for the women. And that's, that's threatening. I get it. Yeah. But I'm like, I don't want anything, sister. I don't even need to talk. I just want to help. Um, so how are y'all doing a church in a prison? So fast forward two years. I'm still like, I see know, my mind I is know. like, what? So crazy. So then my husband was just like, I feel like this is something that the Lord is calling us to do. I said, hey, so am I. But we also had like this church thing. He said, well, what if we launched a campus in a prison? And I said, I think that's phenomenal. How do we do it? He said, I don't know. Yeah, how do you do okay, it? Okay, so then fast forward uh, a couple of weeks, I'm speaking at a conference. I meet this guy who has this organization called God Behind Bars. What they do is they partner with churches to get, but not just sermons. It's live worship. It's the video teaching. You have prayer teams. You have welcome teams. Everything. And they're all small inmates. Groups, and they're all inmates. So literally, we have community groups, which are our version of small groups at our church. We have a welcome team. We have a coffee bar. We have um, childcare, which that's not going to be needed in prison. Right. But I mean, like literally every ministry endeavor plus live baptisms we're having in that prison. This is unbelievable, Isn't Bianca. Isn't it so fun? It's so fun. It's so, we are like beside ourselves. So I've never been in a prison, but I served in our county jail for years. Right. Yeah. And so I just am wrapping my brain around what that would be like for even my girls that I remember in county. Mm-hmm. And then in prison, it's a whole nother, it's a whole nother ball game. Yeah. Because it's not like you're in, you're not in holding, you're there. Mm-hmm. Um, I am in love with this. Isn't it fun? I mean, we're scared because it's, it's $75,000, Jamie. $75,000. We're one years old. Yeah. But this is such a passion project that we are doing. Uh, you know how some people have like a campus fundraising campaign? Mm-hmm. We're essentially doing that. And we're like, I have videos of life transformation of women yeah, that yeah. we were able to uh-huh. connect with. And we've casted the vision for this. We had an outreach uh, to a, uh, an actually back in Lubbock a couple months ago. And I was able to bring in a video crew. And so to be able to tell that story to our church, it kind of, without even us knowing, it was seeding what we were going to launch. Unbelievable. I know. Unbelievable. It's crazy. 
So you'll have video teaching. Uh, they, they only, and I said, well, Hey, Norco's only 40 minutes from my house. Like let's just do live. And they're saying, no, they want the video teaching. And you want to know why? Because, um, what we learned from God behind bars, which we are employing for TFHOC. I don't know what we're going to call the campus. Okay. I don't, I don't want to call it like prison campus because yeah, that's yeah. weird, uh-huh. but maybe TFHOC Norco or something. But that same video clip is going to be sent to all their family members. So the family members can watch and come Stop alongside right with the inmates. And you want to hear something awesome? Okay. I'm just done. So if this is successful and if the inmates play and we get traction and begins to grow, we will have permission by the prison. Oh, I'm getting chills just thinking about this. We have permission by the prison to host. So every December I host Angel Tree, where Angel Tree is an organization um, with Prison Fellowship where you can buy a gift for a child of an inmate. Mm -hmm. Well, what we want to do and what it looks like it's going to happen is that we will be able to partner with the inmates for their children specifically, and it gets better. They will be released for half a day to come to our church and be reunited with their family to give their child the gift that they wanted to give their kid. We'll have live worship. We'll have Santa. We'll have hot chocolate. I'm going to cry. I'm going to cry. I can't wear fake eyelashes. I will cry them off. Um, But fingers crossed it's going to happen. I am so in love with that. I know. We don't know where we're going to get the money, but it's going to come. It's going to come. It's going to come. Yeah. And to be honest with you, in the name of love, which is um, my nonprofit, I am committing to like a hefty chunk because like, uh, yeah. It's that that important. Are you still doing stuff in Texas prisons? I am. They actually okay. reached out. They, okay. I'm trying to get into Dallas so bad, so bad. Yeah. So ba- uh, Dallas has the largest prison in the state of Texas. So I'm trying to get into there. Okay. Um, there's a couple, there's a few maybe doors in Waco, which would uh-huh. be awesome because then I can go to silos because I've never been there. Um, and, um, and in Houston, but I've got my eye on the prize. So in, da- in Texas, it's Dallas. In California, it's Chowchilla. It's the largest women's prison in the world. And when I wrote Play With Fire, this is going to sound crazy. I never heard, have you heard of the name Chowchilla? No. I thought, I, I thought it was it the animal. It sounds like a Chinchilla. conference. Yeah, yeah. It sounds or, like the, the, the animals. Uh-huh. I thought, I was like, wait, what? So I'm writing the book and I don't know, I just felt Chowchilla. So then I Googled Chowchilla. I was like, women's prison, that's weird. And then fast forward. There you are. Yep. Gosh, I love it. And so even with the new book, the next book, people are going to have an opportunity to buy a book for an inmate. So if I'm speaking at events, they'll be able to buy a book. All of our launch team, if, you, if they join the book launch team, they will be gifting a book to an inmate. Oh well. my gosh. And your book comes out August 27th. August 27th. Okay. I have a question about where, usually when people do prison ministry, mm-hmm. there's something that happened that they're like, I just, this is where I want to go. What pushed you there? It's so funny. I don't, okay. So this is something I just discovered. Uh-huh. So I was, I was doing a Beth Moore Bible study and I was kind of having this come to Jesus moment where I'm like, oh, what am I doing with my life? What do you want me to do with my life, God? And I'll never forget, uh, it was raining and like Hillsong worship music is playing in the car. I'm sobbing. I'm like, I can't do this. I'm a stepmom. I'm a pastor's wife. I'm a wife. I work for this NGO. I'm, 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 I'm running ragged. Like, I don't know what you want from me. And I don't feel like I'm living out the fullness of what you've called me to. And then uh, Beth Moore's, I just finished her Bible study and I felt impressed. Um, Isaiah 65, like um, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me to bring the good news to the broken heart, to release release captives and heal the brokenhearted. Um, And it was at the very end of her Bible study, breaking free. 
Breaking Free changed my life. It, oh, well, it's now changed my I life. Years ago, yeah. And I was talking to, I was actually talking to Christine and Christine was just like, Bianca, you're doing this. You're doing this. You're doing this. And the one thing I wasn't doing, it said, um, setting, setting the captives free. And so I thought that was interesting. And I worked for an anti-trafficking organization, like slave people are yeah. running freedom, but it just didn't stick. And then fast forward a year later, that's where it is. Okay, so that's great, amazing. But it wasn't until eight months ago, I did my first men's prison conference and I, I felt a little inept. So I invited my dad. I said, dad, will you come with me and, and do this prison outreach? Uh, you'll do the opening session. I'll do the closing session. And that's great. So we are in flight to Texas. And my dad's like, this is, this is so ironic. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, to be going back to prison with you or going back to jail with you. I said, wait, I'm sorry. What? Can you tell me something? (laughs) I I said, ah, hold up. Yeah. What are you talking about? He said, oh yeah, man. I've been, I've been to jail. I said, dad, you've been to jail. He's like, yeah, man. I've been three times. So here's my Mexican dad. You never knew I, this. No clue. Not once, not twice, three times. So the first thought is, well, no wonder I'm a G. My dad's a gangster. <laughs> and then my other thought is, won't he do it? My God is so faithful. My dad preached and I was able to come up after my dad and stand before the men and tell them I'm a living representation of the decisions that you make today and how they affect not just you, but future generations and not just affect my life, but the thousands that have come to know Jesus through one man's decision to change his life. I was just like, I didn't realize that there was a heart connection to this, um, that I'm living in the fullness of someone coming out of jail and experiencing a transformed life through the power of Jesus crazy, right? Mic drop. You know, I mean, just like, here's what to give them. This is what you have. This is is what you can change generations. That is so amazing. I love hearing about that, Bianca. We always have a heart connection over that. I know. My jumping into that was a little bit different is I kind of had this moment like you where one day I look up and I think, I have a Christian podcast. My husband's a pastor. I speak at Christian conferences. I'm just around good Christian girls all the time. I was like, I need to do something. Absolutely. And I was praying that. And like a couple of days later, a friend, I had done some volunteer work with the anti-trafficking organization in Austin. And she called and she said, hey, I have the craziest thing. We're thinking about starting a prison ministry. Do you think, you can you pray about it? And I was like, I don't need to, I'm in. Like, it was like, God, I, I told God, I need something. Like, I need something, I need something. And um, my life is different because of those three years. Absolutely. It's different. Absolutely. Um, I think that one of the things, and I'd love to hear how the women that you've ministered there have changed you. Um, I'll start. And I mean, I remember explaining to someone one time, I was like, the thing is, I think that some of my girls in here, they're going to show up at the doorsteps of heaven off of a meth overdose. And they're going to follow God as best as they can. And their temptation and their struggle is going to get them one more time. And they loved Jesus. And I think there's this thing that like, oh, once you become a Christian, everything works out perfect and you get your life together and you never fail again. And I watched my girls talk about the struggles that they had and how bad they wanted to follow him and how bad they wanted to do better, but how big that pull was. And so they were living that life that Paul talks about. It just looks different. Like my spirit wants to do this. My flesh wants to do this. And I saw that in a way that I didn't see around good Christian girls. Yeah. You know? And so I was like, their faith is real. It's hard. It's really hard. And I remember that changed me. It changed mm-hmm. me to look at people and their struggles differently. Mm-hmm. Like our struggles are real. Yep. And we can chase him hard and we're going to fall down and we get up and we're like, it just, it made me see differently with grace and people's struggles that are bigger than mine. Mm-hmm. 
I think for me, you go in thinking I'm going to deposit and I'm going to bring something to bless them. And then you're wildly shook at the fact that their praise is different and their understanding of Jesus is different. And um, one quick story, when you do jail and prison work, it's rare that you get to connect with the same inmate unless you're doing week to week consistently like Bible studies. And uh, that's just par for the course. It's just, you go in, it's like itinerant. It's like evangelism. You go in, you sow seeds and you wait for someone else to reap the harvest. But I had the unique privilege of going to one prison, meeting a woman named Bridget, who everyone knew Bridget was a gangster. Like she was a brawler. She fought with everyone. In fact, she fought with a prison guard and it ended putting her up in solitary confinement for four weeks, which is a super long time to be in solitary confinement. And uh, she had accepted Jesus. And when I was there the second time, she was being transferred to a maximum security prison to serve the rest of her 10-year sentence. So there's an additional seven years left. And um, she prayed. She said, I just want this walk with God to be sincere. And everyone laughed because everyone knew she was just foul mouth, like crazy lifestyle, loved to brawl. And she wasn't very, <laughs> she wasn't very Jesus seasoned, right. we shall say. And um, so we prayed and we prayed in good faith. And I, I did pray in good faith. I really did. But if you look at her life, it's kind of like, oh, I don't know what's going to happen. And prison's hard. And prison's hard. And prison's hard. And it's survival of the fittest. It yep. literally is. And so uh, she gets transferred. She's there for six months. She gets pa- called into the office. And they we, they told, they told sat her down and said, we see the amazing transformation of who you are as a person and your character. We want to let you know that you will serve uh, six, more, six more months here, but then you'll be released and she was absolved from six years Mm-mm. of a 10-year sentence. And true to her word, she was released on a Thursday. She rolls up to church on Sunday. And she found a church by Googling church near me. Okay. She sat in the very last row. And at the beginning of worship, she turns to her right. And who does she see? The security guard that she beat up no. in the jail that she was sent to solitary confinement. She stands up, the security guard stands up, walks over to her, embraces her and says, you are not an incarcerated inmate. You're my sister in Christ. They they hug, they cry. Bridget gets baptized. Bridget's reunited with her daughter and her granddaughter that was born when she was in prison. When Bridget found out that I was going back to the jail that I prayed with her, she drove two hours to see me and to tell me how much her life has changed and she's still walking with Jesus. It's stories like that where you think you have faith. You think you have faith and then God just blows your mind. It's it's literally the Ephesians 3.20 moment where you're like, God is doing exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we could ask, see, or imagine. I that I did not know you were going to say to the right was the prison, was the guard. Right. I mean, I had a list of who it could have been that wasn't on the list. That, Insane. I love that. Yeah. Insane. I love how God is, is working in that. All right, I know you're loving this conversation because Bianca is just simply the best, but I want to thank our sponsors because they make the happy hour possible. Today's show is brought to you by Rothy's. It's no surprise that Rothy's has over 1,000 nearly perfect reviews. Here's why. They're stylish, they're sustainable, they're comfortable, and get this, you guys, they're washable. So really, basically, they're the perfect flats for life on the go. 
I have a pair of Rothy's that I love. They're maroon. You can't even find them on the webpage anymore because they're always making new styles. They're always coming up with new designs on there. So I love my Rothy's. They can go from taking the kids to school to date night so easily. Rothy's are seamlessly crafted from recycled water bottles. Yes, you heard me right. It's true. So because of that, they're ultra comfortable. And as soon as you slip them on, you don't have to wait to break them in. There's zero break-in period. They just fit so well on your feet. Plus, Rothy's is constantly launching new styles, which is why I said you can't even find my pair that I have online, which what that means is whenever you look, you're basically guaranteed to find a pair that you love. Better yet, Rothy's are manufactured in a zero waste factory and they ship directly in the shoebox. So there's no unnecessary packaging. And all of the people in the world said amen to that. Rothy's always comes with free shipping and free returns and exchanges. No risk, no worries, no reason not to try. You'll quickly discover why BuzzFeed called them their forever shoes. Check out all the amazing styles available right now at rothys.com slash Ivy. That's my last name. It's I-V-E-Y. So Rothys, R-O-T-H-Y-S.com slash Ivy to get your new favorite flats. They're comfortable, they're stylish, and they're sustainable. These are basically the shoes you've been waiting for, you guys. Head to rothys.com slash Ivy today. Okay, I also want to thank another one of our sponsors, and that is Panama City Beach. Are you dreaming of a beach vacation? I feel like I'm always dreaming of a beach vacation, if I'm honest with you. If you are, start planning your escape to Panama City Beach, Florida today. Imagine spending your days doing the things that you love, all in a setting of sugar white beaches and turquoise waters. I was actually in Panama City Beach this summer, and that is true. Sugar white beaches and turquoise waters are just what I love. Discover endless family fun, heart-pounding thrills, echo adventure, and romance. Make it memorable. Get up close to dolphins in their natural habitat on a boat tour. Give paddleboarding a try or just lounge under an umbrella all day long, which is my personal favorite thing to do. There's so much fun. It'll make your family's head spin. Make it exhilarating. Find your thrills flying on a jet ski, kayaking at sunset, or snorkeling in turquoise waters. It's everything an adrenaline junkie lives for. Make it incredible. Bike along the beach, take an airboat tour, or explore the secluded beauty of two state parks. Panama City Beach offers one eco-adventure after another. Make it special with a romantic getaway. Relax and reconnect with dining on the beach, breathtaking sunsets, and enough live music to dance the night away. So make it your own however you want it. Make it Panama City Beach, your real fun beach. Plan your escape now at visitpanamacitybeach.com. Okay, back to the rest of my conversation with my friend Bianca Oltoff. I want to switch gears for just a second because you have a new book out. I do. August 27th, um, How to Have Your Life Not Suck. Yes. Who titled this book? Okay, here's the truth. The deadline for, you know, when I had to send things in was coming up and I told him, I said, you guys, I I, I haven't landed on a title. I haven't landed on a title and I I feel really rushed. I said, for right now, I'm just going to say how to have your life. They're like, well, what do you want people to walk away with? I was like, I don't want people's life to suck. So let's call it how to have your life not suck as the placeholder. That was, that's literally how I got the title. And um, my mother vehemently opposes, sorry, mom. She says that we should not say suck. And then a couple of the friends from Zondervan had some hesitations, but then they ran it by some. I literally got the book and said, who's her publisher? Like, who, who let this out? <laughs> right, I know. Yeah. But they, they, their millennials on staff loved it. And um, here's one thing that I know. I'm not called to the super churchy, churchy girls because I'm not even really churchy, churchy. I started a church, but I need Jesus. So, so I'm fierce. Uh-huh. And so I realized like, no, that's stuff that I say. Yeah. And my hope is that someone who maybe 
mm, is on the periphery of church, yeah. doesn't come to church, or is like spiritual but not Christian, will pick it up and feel like that's something that I can read. Because I, I don't this. want my life to suck. Yeah. And what they don't know is that there's a covert message to the book of Ruth. And that's how we can learn to that's have how a lot of That's yep. how we get a man. Yep. Um, well, when you talked earlier about the group that you did that was hard. Yeah. Of the girls. Yeah. And then the leadership program that you and Matt are developing. Yeah. And then this book, I mean, this is you saying, hey, here's what I would have wanted someone totally. to say to me. Totally. And so it is this pouring out to the next generation. Mm-hmm. It is this like mentorship, discipleship. Um, yeah. And so how did you decide to weave it through the book of Ruth? So um, the book is broken up into three sections because that's kind of naturally how it kind of just broke out. But the first one is on dating and relationships. And the second section is on faith and spirituality. And the third section is on adulting and growing up. And the reason why I broke out like that is because 10 years ago, I it was my second Bible study I ever taught. And it was through the book of Ruth. And I was single, like a Pringle, ready to mingle, so thirsty, so desperate to be married. Um, but I had just finished graduate school. I wanted to travel. No one asked me out. My twin sister, Jasmine, had just gotten engaged. She had a 2.5 carat rock and I'm living at home with the mom with brain cancer. You know, like it was, it was, and all my friends were moving on with their lives. They were getting married. They were buying houses. They were having kids. So invitations moved from like college announcements, to engagement parties, to weddings, to baby showers. And I'm still eating hors d'oeuvres, drinking punch alone. I wish that someone would have pulled me under their wing, like we spoke about earlier and said, hey, let me do this with you. And those people, those friends and mentors that I wanted became Ruth and Naomi. Mm -hmm. And so I became friends with these characters of the Bible. And it wasn't until much later when I was going actually after the internship program that I realized I learned so much in that season and these principles were rooted in stuff that I saw here. And uh, like a lot of it, it's like how to, uh, how to find a mentor. When do you know that your friendships are coming to an end and how to end that well? Where, where do we see that in the book of Ruth? Orpah bounced. Ruth stayed, but Ortha went ba- Orpah went back. That doesn't mean that Orpah was a bad person. They're just not the people to do the long haul with you. Then let's talk about like dating and relationships. We have an entire generation that's throwing away their destiny for five minutes in a bed. Like this is a biblical principle and it's not because God's mean. God wants to protect us. Where do we see that? Ruth used her brains, not her body. And she proposed to Boaz. She had a DTR. This expression, throw your corner of your garment over me. That's a Hebrew idiom for marry me. Mm. Boo me up, baby. Mm. And what this, what Ruth did for me is she empowered a female to go after what she wanted. She worked. She was in a field. When life sucked, she worked. That's inspiration for me in this next generation. Like stop posting all your emo feelings. Stop being a four, an Enneagram four. Get out of your feelings. Stop being like Drake, you know, like go on with your life Mm -hmm. and start doing the work emotionally, spiritually, physically, and relationally, even in moments of trial, trauma. Everything that Mm -hmm. you saw in the book of Ruth. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's talk about dating. Mm -hmm. Hookup culture. Yeah. Dating, not understanding how to have a relationship, not understanding how to ask a girl out, not understanding how to like wait on a dude. Like, yeah. What are you seeing? Like, what? Oh gosh, this is this is a whole other podcast. I know because it, uh, so I am like a, a cultural python. Like, I love circling around something and then choking it out to see what survives. And like, if we really want to like distill this, like, let's take a look at the '80s divorce rates and like this latchkey kid culture where 
the nuclear family was dissolved. And so this idea of relationship, this idea of wooing, this idea of expectation has been completely lost for generations of children who didn't have a healthy family. So what does relationship look like if your parents can't communicate? Right. And so, I mean, this could go systemically back, but even just right now, why would you need to excuse me, but why would you need to be ballsy and ask someone else if you could just slide into their DMs? Yeah. Uh-huh. And then women accept that behavior because that's the best that they feel that they can get. I literally just had a conversation. Or they think they have to because there's no one else. Because there's no one else. Yeah. There's no one else. And you don't understand, Bianca, you know, like th- th- this is how it is nowadays. No, it is because you accept it. And so there's this psychologist out of Boston College, uh, Boston University of U. And um, she has this entire phenomenal lecture about dating and how we've lost the art of dating. She's not a believer. She's not a Christian, but she literally teaches students how to date. Because they don't know. They don't know. Yeah. So not only do this next generation not know how to balance a checkbook or write a check, they don't know how to ask someone out or everything is digital. So how do you have a face-to-face conversation? I'm saying this played out time and time again, but like, what I love is this mentor, Naomi, tells Ruth, Boy, they, daughter, you've been in the field for so long. You smell like a goat. Go, go, go shower. You know, like, what does it look like to tell women, you can't use dry shampoo for 15 days in a row? <laughs> like, just shower. You know what? Like, Get yourself like, together. And, and then I'm talking to girls, you know, and, 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 and helitosis from hell. I, my eyebrows are singeing off, and I just feel like saying, do you know what a toothbrush is? Like if we just have honest conversations, I mean, and here's the thing, it, it may sound mean and, and then, you know, Jesus, God loves the heart and all that other stuff. Well, looks at the heart, Bianca. I know that, but man looks at the outward. Like look at that whole verse in context. And this is not, I, 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 there's an entire chapter on vanity versus maintenance because I think like, so I love the Dove campaign. I love, hey, love who you are and embrace who you are. I'm thickums. I, I need to lose 15 pounds, but that's, that's not what this is. This is. This is about maintenance. It's not vanity. It's about maintaining who God made you. Take a shower, floss your teeth, Mm -hmm. iron your clothes. Maybe the reason why people are struggling to engage with people is because they're unaware of how they're coming across. What does it look like to have a great, hard conversation with a friend, a friend that loves you? Proverbs tells us, better are the wounds of a friend than the kisses of an enemy. Mm -hmm. So yeah. So in the book, there's this thing called the VDS, a viable dating score. So I walk people through, and the score is three. It's not like it's 300, it's right. three. Uh-huh. And if someone doesn't have a three, they pro- you probably shouldn't date You them. shouldn't date them. Okay, so I have a lot of young listeners. Okay. And so are you telling the girls, raise your standards? I'm saying raise the standards. I'm also saying be very aware. Okay. And you're also talking to someone who married a divorcee with two kids and debt. Like, that's not the ideal person you want to bring home to mom and dad. I'm not saying, hey, keep your standards so high. I don't mean, I just mean like when you said they're sliding into their DMs, like raise your standards right. and expect a guy to right. call you on the phone, right? ask you out face-to-face, not a DM. Right. But then it's like, let's take a look at like this bachelor culture that we're living in. We expect, it, it, it vacillates. It's either we'll take anything. If the guy's hot, we'll take anything. If the guy's not, it's like we want a hot air balloon ride, horseback riding at a beach in Mexico, rose petals, you know. And then the standard is so high, you're like, oh my gosh, stop. You're not a contestant on The Bachelorette. You know, just go to coffee. How about that? Right, you know, get right, to know someone. Right. Yeah. You know what? I, people ask like, I ask people a lot, like, hey, what's your favorite decade? Do you know that you could not pay me enough money to go back to my early 20s? Really? Oh, Bianca. 
Wait, but you- I was a mess. You were 21 and you said that you got saved at Passion. Why were you a mess? Oh, I was a mess. The work of transformation took a long time. It took a while. <laughs> it took a while. I just like, maybe it's like my like eight, nine, uh, 17 to 21 was a, some rough years for okay. me. I was living living large and- um, <laughs> And in charge. And in charge of every, of everything. But- what I mean by that is it's hard. It, I think it's yeah. hard. I look at my kids and you have, you have kids. How old are, how old are your- I have a 15-year-old stepson and a 13-year-old stepdaughter. Okay, that's, I mean, that's where I'm into. I've yep. got 15, 14, 13, yep. 11. And I look at them and I just say, this is a really hard day and age to grow up in for relationships because of our technology. And I, I would imagine, I'm gonna sound like an old mom here, but I would imagine most generations say, this is a really hard time to grow up because we change and we add and we grow, you know, which is good. But I just look and I think, man, it is, it's difficult right now to, um, to be sold out for the Lord and to be quote unquote normal and to have these like dating and all of the things. I mean, it's just hard. Right. I, 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 do, I wouldn't want it. That's what I mean. Mm-hmm. But now here we are, we're in charge of helping our children. Right. And the next generation. The next generation. And how do we put great tools in their hands? And sometimes those tools are just conversations. Like so much of this next generation, the one thing that they want is the one thing that they're afraid of. What is it? Community. Oh. And so what does it look like to bring someone in and be the friend that you wish you had? Everyone wants Ruth as their friend. Mm -hmm. The ride or die when, you know, Naomi's depressed, suffering from PTSD. She's bitter, Betty, and like everyone's turning her back on her. And yet Ruth stays loyal. Better, at the end of the book, it says better than seven sons. Everyone wants that friend like Ruth, but what does it look like if we are that friend to someone else? We're not, if we start asking people, hey, this is the standard that will actually shift your life, mm-hmm. shift your destiny, shift your community. Yeah. What does that look like? You're saying they want it, but they don't want to be it. Yeah, because, because it's vulnerable. Yeah, it's very, very. It's very, very vulnerable. Yeah, yeah. So even this idea of like, we want a mentor, but we won't, don't want discipleship. That's what it is. That's what it is. 1,000%. Yep. 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 Yeah. We want some friends and to look up to. But, but don't we, hold me accountable. Yeah. Don't, and don't speak into and speak yep. truth into me and don't ask me don't to change. Correct me. Don't correct you. No discipline. Yeah. yeah. And here's the thing. I don't, how fun is that? That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, like, but that's why, but it's not, it's right. not life-giving and there's no growth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was just, Aaron and I were just in DC visiting some friends and it's the number two loneliest city in the country. Vegas is number one. I don't know who said that, but whatever, I read that somewhere. Um, but what they were telling us is it's a very young city as well. Because if you think about, I mean, there's a lot of old politicians, but if you think about all the people Staffers coming into work, yeah, all the interns, staff, yep. they're all young. Yeah. And they said that they've, they've noticed is that these people who are working in DC and it's so lonely and there are a lot of young people are craving community Absolutely. for someone just to be in their life with them. And I thought, man, I see that in generations behind us. And I'm excited about you and me and everyone in this room. We're all older than this generation. And we can say, let's just, let's, let's kind of show you how to do this Mm -hmm. with discipleship and mentorship. I'm excited to see the pendulum swing as well, because we went from like a hyper relational culture 50 years ago, where it was like very like family and everyone lived on the same block. And you married someone within a 3.2 mile radius. I only know that because I read Aziz Ansari's modern okay. modern romance book. And uh, he charts kind of like this whole dating culture that's shifted. So I wonder, will the pendulum swing the other way where we get so tired of being hyper-connected and having fe- friends and fans and followers and yet feeling so isolated that people want to just turn that in and go live 
in this like tight community again. I wonder if that'll be the I case. I think that I could see that happening for sure. And then there's also a, ta- a lots of talk within like church culture of like going back to like home church or like small church model. And so this like parish model, I would be fascinated to see in 20 years time if that's really what gen- the next where they're going to find the best yep. community and discipleship yeah. and stuff. Yeah. I geek out over that stuff. I like that you think about those weird stuff too. <laughs> um, okay. So this book, How to Have Your Life Not Suck, Becoming Today Who You Want to Be Tomorrow, is, would you call it, it's your message to a generation? Yeah. It's what it's the letter that I would have written to my 25-year-old self. Which is a great thing because people are looking and going, we want to help us. Help us know. I love it. I've read about two-thirds of it. Okay. And loved it. I read it on the airplane the other day. If you don't finish, I know I saw it. I love that you posted it. I read um, it on the airplane. Um, if you don't finish the rest of it, just go to the last chapter because I I really, I wish, okay, so there's two things I wish. You know, as a writer, you always look back and say, I wish I would have added this or I wish I would have included this. This is what the thing that, I, I just, there's two things. One is a chapter on sex. So I started the chapter on is sex. Is there a chapter on sex in here? No, because, uh, well, my editor removed it because she said it was, it was literally 500 words and it was so funny. It was so fun. I was really proud of it, but it did sex a disservice because it was basically like, you know, I had this phrase since in youth ministry, this was years ago when I led in youth ministry, no ringy, no dingy, you know, like that, that's, I just love it. Don't you have it on a shirt? I absolutely do. Cause it's inappropriate. Yeah. It's inappropriate all the time. I've had churches actually pull that merch down. Oh, of course they have. Whatever, man. Okay. So, um, I, but I actually did a message on sex recently in, in a series that we're teaching at church. And, oh, I wish I would have taken that entire message and put it into chapter form and including the book. So that was a miss, but that's okay. And then the second thing is in the introduction, I would have encouraged people, if you don't, if you can't finish the book, will you please just read the last chapter? You're going to give them permission to just go to the just back. Just jump to the end because that's like the most important thing that we see through the life of Ruth and that's legacy. Mm. Don't live for a good weekend built a good life. You know, that's built a good legacy. That's, that's why I want people to walk away with. We see it in the book, uh, we see it in Ruth's life and that's what I want people to hold on to. Okay. Well, I will definitely read that, but I want to know what would you say in the sex chapter? Uh, okay. So that got, oh my gosh, this is, I, I feel like we need to take back the message that has been hijacked by magazines, movies, and cultures that have made sex inside the context of marriage, boring, basic vanilla. And then sex outside of it is like roaring and amazing and so awesome. And then we almost have kind of, we, we, we are afraid to talk about it in church because it's uncomfortable or it's like, we shouldn't have these conversations with two genders or we shouldn't have these conversations in this age group. And it's just like, listen, my 13 year old daughter already knew what sex was when I sat down and had the conversation with her. Of course she did. So why are we letting other people define it? And yeah. so um, one, God created it not just for procreation, procreation, but recreation. God is about it. God loves it. God wants it to be amazing. In fact, as Solomon in Proverbs talks about like, let the breast of your wife satisfy you in your youth. Um, he mm. was talking about his wife and how he, he was intoxicated by her breast. And I'm thinking, Beyonce was not the first one drunk in love. It is King Solomon. <laughs> and I'm like, if we start t- with there, if we start that the sex is good and sex is godly, how would we approach it differently? And my, 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 the, the thing that grieves my heart is that we have really fought hard for a purity culture. And then people have really messed up sex lives after marriage because it's like, don't have it, don't have it, don't have it, don't have it. And then after you say, I do, it's like the faucet has to come roaring on without any training. I mean, literally, we need to have sex ed for Christians. And then there's also the shame that many Christians are experiencing because like I waited or I have this like 
horrible past. And now I'm sexually unsatisfied in marriage. And we're not giving people space to process and latitude to be honest about the amazingness and also difficulties of sex. Amen, amen, amen. I have the list as long of friends who got married and then said, I had sex before I got married and it was awesome. I got married. Now I can have as much sex as I want and it's horrible. Yeah. It's a shame. And it's a tactic of the enemy. Before marriage, it's like, have sex, have sex, have sex. The moment you get married, what's the message? Don't have sex, don't have sex, don't have sex. I know. And every married person will understand that it is literally warfare sometimes to even just have that desire. I believe part of it is spiritual. Yeah. A part of it is just tired and, you know, like whatever. But like a lot of it is like the, why? Oh, because of the crux of it. It is the thing that unifies people. It is a covenant that bonds people together. And this is why for Paul and even for Jesus, like said, what God has brought together, let no man separate because it is a covenantal coming together, a unifying of body, soul, and mind. And so this is one thing that I included in that talk. I won't include it in the book because I haven't done enough theological research on this, but this concept of soul ties. So, I can't find it anywhere in scripture, but the only place I can back it up is when Paul says, do not unite yourself with a prostitute because you become one with that person. When we become one with that person, all in youth group, we're communicating this message of like, don't have sex for sexually transmitted diseases. And now as an adult, I'm more concerned with sexually transmitted demons, like Mm. the baggage of people's past. You unite with that. You bring that in. I have seen people enter in sexual relationships healthy and in a great place. And they take almost like this linking baggage from the person that they've had sexual encounters with. And I back this up with clinical research because Dr. Patricia Love refers to this as a sex cocktail, that uh, the prefrontal cortex, the limbic system for women is larger than men. And there's a lingering of, even if you don't like that person years later, you find yourself longing for them because you united body, it's so mind, true. and soul. It's so true. Mm-hmm. It is 100% true. Yeah. I can't back it up theologically though, Jamie. I, I just, other than that one text, I can't, this idea of soul ties and like tying together. I hear a lot of Christians talk about it, but I don't, I don't want to put anything in print that I can back up theologically, mm-hmm. but I believe it. I don't know mm-hmm. how, but I yeah. believe it. It's like a, well, I think thing. too, what I've come to think is there is like, I remember growing up, it was just don't have sex because God said not to. Right. And then it felt dirty. Like and then God said I no. was already doing a lot of other stuff God said not to. So I was like, <laughs> why not add one more to the list? I mean, you know, like, what's the big deal? But I do wish, and here's the deal. Teenagers, their brains don't work. They don't care. But what you just explained is what, if I meet with a girl and she is losing her mind over a breakup, my very first question is, did you guys have sex? It's always yes. It's always yes. Yeah. Because look how she yeah. is. She has lost something. She gave something. And, um, and then we grew up in a shame culture as well, totally. you know? And so totally. I'm like, if my kids have sex and something happens, it's not the worst thing that could ever happen. It, mm. is, a, it is a thing that we will get through. You are so brave for saying this because it's I was not. talking to my sister about this and she was just like, well, no, you have to say this. You have to say this. You have to say this. And she listed out several things in the conversation. I, I, I pulled Ryan. She's my 13-year-old stepdaughter. We're going to have the full-on conversation about sex. I pulled no punches. I was very honest with her about all these things. And I told Jasmine what I was going to say. But then Jasmine was just like, but mom taught us this way. And I said, but here's my fear that she will not, one, be honest. She will walk around with heaping shame. I've seen what shame has done. And so I'm always going to lead with God's best is this. Our best is this. Our desire is this. But if there's a mistake, and she's and what Jazz had said, I'm, I'm sure some res, uh, listeners will resonate with this, is like, that's like saying, I don't want you to drink. But if you drink, drink here at my house. 
and I was stuck. So I love that you're saying that because I'm kind of in your same camp. And like, I don't want her to have sex. I want her to wait. I waited until I was married. I didn't. Okay. And I got pregnant before I was married. Really? Yeah, yeah. (gasps) I had a miscarriage. Yes, yes, yes. So I bring, I come from the side of the table of that is I wish someone would have looked at me and said, you're going to be okay. Because the church says this is the worst thing you could do. I grew up Southern Baptist. I don't see this a lot anymore in Southern Baptist, but when I grew up in the nineties, the worst thing you do is have sex and drink alcohol. Oh yeah. Well, I'm doing them both. So I'm out. (laughs) You know what I mean? And so I didn't feel as I could go to anyone and tell them what I was doing because I felt as though that would almost like we're done with you. Yeah. You have done the worst thing you could possibly do. And I just don't think that because I'm like, you know what I would, I, I don't want my kids to be greedy or jealous or envious or have hatred in their hearts. And so we take this sin and say, this is the worst thing you could do, yeah. but we forget about their hearts. So then we're just setting them up for legalism. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, see, I have this, I have this baggage <laughs> with legalism and I don't want my, I pray to God, none of my kids have sex before they get married. Yeah. If they do, I'm going to love them. Absolutely. And I'm going to tell them what God's best is. I'm going to tell them God died for that. You're forgiven. You're clean. Let's carry on. Mm-hmm. I just, I bring a lot to the table there. I love it. That I just, and I, love I do not want people to feel shame for that. I'm excited to, I'm excited to hear people's like thoughts on like what you just said. Cause I'm in your same camp, but I don't hear anyone else saying that. So. Um, I always ask people this when I finish, what are you loving and what are you reading? Do you have anything that you're like, oh, I got to tell you about this. I'm really loving this. I, uh, I mean, okay. So we were talking about vanity and maintenance and all that stuff. There is this face oil from Cora, K-O-R-A. I love it. It's like 20 bucks from Sephora. The travel size is $20, but it lasts a really long time. The bigger bottle is a little bit more, but I love it. I feel like my skin feels hydrated. It's the summer months. I feel like it's, it's not heavy. It's light. I love it. And um, what am I reading? I actually read multiple books at one time. I know it drives people okay, crazy. Yeah. I'm reading uh, Kate Bowler's book. I are I read it. I read it a year ago, but I felt like I needed to read it again. Everything happens on my for shelf. a reason. You need to read it. Okay. You need to read it. I have some friends that are going through cancer, and so I wanted to revisit it uh-huh. again. And she's just so real. Okay. She's just so real. I I love her. Hardback. Uh, I it's actually it was republished in hardback. Okay. <laughs> I think I must have a hardback then. Yeah. Okay. She sent out and she sent out another copy of hardback. It's okay. it's it's really good. So beautifully written. Love it. And then um Brene Brown, the the lead, the lead one. Yeah. Clearly I'm horrible with titles, y'all. I'm like the worst PR firm. Well, Sorry. you send them your placeholder and they put it on a book. Like yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm reading those two books uh right now. And then um we are launching our uh School of Leadership. So I'm reading all of those books as yeah, well. Yeah. Leadership Pain by Sam Chan, Deep and Wide by Andy Stanley, Pursuit of the Most High or something like that by A.W. Tozer. Okay. So, yep. Bianca, it's a joy. I love anytime I'm with you. Jamie, I have a question for you. Before we go, before we go, what was the thing that you forgot to pack for this trip? Oh, I forgot to pack panties. <laughs> no, you didn't. Yes, I did. <gasps> Did you not know this? <laughs> I didn't. I thought they set you up for this. Well, I I did ask I did ask Lynn. I said, "Hey, uh, oh gosh, what <laughs> is that? <laughs> what on earth?" So I forgot. I always forgot stuff. I forgot to pack underwear, and I had a decision make: Do I wear the same ones for three days, or do I go without underwear today and wash them in the sink and dry them on the patio? And so there they are, out on the patio. This is a whole <laughs> new level of our friendship. I'm seeing your underwear and I'm, I, I just, wow, this is, this is awesome. I At least they're cute. They are cute. I know. I'm like, I, pack, I, I picked a good pair to wear if I'm going to put them on the balcony. 
So, well, thank you, Jamie. I love chatting with you. I love talking with you. I love the way you think. I love the way that you push and prod. And I'm so excited to connect with your listeners as well. Love it. And I cannot wait for your church to open in the prison. Thank this you. Cool. September 17th. This is the coolest thing I've heard in a long time, just thank so you know. Thank you. Oh my gosh. Okay. Thanks, Bianca. Thanks, Jamie. Guys, don't forget, if you're dreaming of a beach vacation, which I always am, check out Panama City Beach. Get away to the sugar white sands and turquoise waters of Panama City Beach, Florida. You'll discover endless family fun, heart-pounding thrills, echo adventure, and romance. Make it yours at Panama City Beach, the real fun beach. Plan your escape now at visitpanamacitybeach.com. You guys, it was so fun having Bianca on. I love sitting down in person with her. When you hear a show like this, I hope you know this is why Jamie interviews in person because it's just fun. It's two friends sitting down and having a conversation that we invite you in. Also, you guys, their next church plant is in a prison. Can you even believe it? It blew my mind. Absolutely blew my mind. I'm so excited for them. I'm cheering them on like crazy. Don't forget, if you want to, please do pre-order her new book, How to Have Your Life Not Suck, Becoming Today, Who You Want to Be Tomorrow. You can pre-order it anywhere books are sold. Today's show was edited by Chris with Podshaper, and the music was developed for the show by Matt Graham. Show notes are written by Aki Sluckers, and this whole thing is organized by Lindsay Sweeney. Next week, my guest is Tess Clark. And Tess and I met a couple of years ago at a conference, and I was immediately drawn to her passion and her love for all people. In fact, she founded an organization called Seek the Peace, where they advocate for peace and justice for all. She also leads an organization called We Welcome Refugees. Basically, they exist to facilitate a grassroots movement of people who welcome refugees to country and community. We talk about these organizations in our show next week. Tess is wise. She is smart. She is full of the love of Jesus. And she's going to make you think. And she's going to make you think about some things that might be hard for you. I'm also super honored that I'll be joining her on a trip at the end of this month to go down to the border in El Paso and look at the refugee crisis that our country is currently experiencing, especially in the states that border Mexico. So you'll follow that trip with me on Instagram. You're going to love my conversation with Tess next week. Guys, enjoy your week. Share the show with a girlfriend and have a happy hour with a friend. I'll see you guys back here next week with my friend, Tess Clark.